Well, good morning and, and Merry Christmas. It's great to see you here on this Christmas morning. What a what a wonderful thing to be able to hear the, the story of Christ read from the Gospel according to Matthew. The the miracle of miracles that God, the Creator of everything, chose to come to become one of us, and not just one of us, but a vulnerable, fragile baby boy, that He would live for us, that He would die for us that he would rise again from the dead for us, that we could have life with him forever. This morning we're going to be um, looking at a a passage of Scripture that uh, you don't always maybe think about being used on Christmas, but it's from Paul's letter, or excuse me, John's letter, 1 John chapter 4. And um, we're going to be looking at this because I'm guessing that some of you this morning maybe maybe haven't had a chance to open any presents yet. Some of you maybe did it last night, some of them, some this morning, some stockings. But there's probably a few of us here today who are putting off opening presents until family or friends uh, maybe come in today or maybe you're getting together tomorrow. So you've not had the the joy, the experience of opening a present yet. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage of Scripture and in it we're going to look at, at God's great gift to us, the gift of Christ and the gift of His love expressed through His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's uh, just follow along. It'll be on the screen, but we'll be pulling some verses out of 1 John chapter 4. And I'll begin with verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. Short phrase, powerful impact, profound truth. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. You know, each of us have different struggles in our lives, things in our personality or emotional makeup um, that can keep us from maturing, okay? Uh, Maybe causes some problems or issues in our lives. And if we're wise, we're self-aware, we know that what what they are, and we try to do our best to compensate and to grow and and to work on them. For example, I've always struggled with being a, a people pleaser. I want people to like me. I know that's nothing unusual. Most people want people to like them, but I think you know what I mean. I've had to learn to state my opinion. I've had to learn to not avoid conflict. I've had to learn to set boundaries, still working on that. I've had to learn that while, as the Apostle Paul says, we are to strive to live at peace with everyone, that there are truly more important things in life than having everybody like you. Now, I've always known that. I still don't have it down perfectly yet, but there's something that that is helping me to turn the corner over the years. It's the truth behind the verse I began with. And so we know and we rely upon the love that God has for us. When we're tempted to compromise or be less than ourselves because we want people to think well of us, we rely upon God's love for us. We believe that that's what ultimately defines us, as John says earlier in this letter, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. That verse, John wants us to really grasp the truth of that, and so he uses exclamation points in his letter two times. And the word lavish gives us this picture of extravagance, of really overdoing it, of showering somebody with gifts, like you do with a, a baby shower or, or, or a bridal shower. You, you celebrate new life. You start celebrate the beginning of a marriage. You shower them with gifts. You express their love to them. Well, that's what the Father does for us. When we put our trust in Christ, literally, we are born again. Something happens in our spirit where we become a new creation. Jesus called it being born again in John 3. And something happens, something permanent happens, transformative, eternal happens in our relationship with God the Father. 
No longer are we separated from him by our sin. Now we're called children. And God loves to bless his children. He blesses us with grace and peace and hope and joy and love and forgiveness with eternal life. Because he loves us. And because that's who he is. John says God is love. And so in everything, we know and we are to rely upon the love that God has for us. And so when we doubt our worth because of personal failure, when we're rejected by others because of our values or looks, when we feel awkward or strange, we know and rely upon the love that God has for us. When we wonder if our needs will be met because of financial struggles, when Satan tries to tell us that we're not really a child of God, when he whispers in our ear that our sin is, is just too great because we knew what we were doing and it's been the gazillionth time we've done it, we know and we rely upon the love that God has for us. And this knowing and relying upon the love of God is not meant for the times only when we struggle. It's meant for all the time when things are going well. We know and rely upon God's love for us because we know that we are not defined by our stuff, our accomplishments, our appearance, our relationships, our success. We are defined as children of God. We know and rely upon the love that God has for us. And the basis for our status, our identity as children of God is, is of course, the cross of Jesus Christ. First John 4.10 says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, before the cross, there was a, a very real gap, an infinitely wide gap between us and God because of our sin. And there was simply no way around it, under it, over it or across us. And because of God's love, totally of his initiative and totally by his doing, love always begins with God. He sent Christ to die for our sins. And Jesus becomes that bridge for us. He becomes our high priest. That's what priest means, bridge. He bridges that gap and we are brought near to God. And we are called children of God. That is the only way it happens. And Jesus is the only way that it happens. And it's permanent. God will not disown his children. And he loves to bless us and lavish his love upon us. Take a look now at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. In the movie To Win a Date with Tad Hamilton, Rosalie Futch is a, a small-town West Virginia girl who wins a contest to have a date in Hollywood with a movie star, Tad Hamilton. After the date in Hollywood, she flies back home to resume her life, but her date with Tad, however, changes him a little bit. It causes him to reflect upon who he has become, and he does not like what he sees. So he decides to change who he is, and he flies to West Virginia, hoping Rosalie's small-town values will rub off on him. Meanwhile, Rosalie is unaware that her best friend and boss at the local Piggly Wiggly grocery store, Pete, is secretly in love with her. As the romance between Rosalie and Tad blossoms, Pete suffers in silence. The local bartender, Angelica, eventually convinces him to talk about what is bothering him. She says, you know, as a bartender, you learn to kind of recognize those customers who need to talk. Angelica, I'm fine, but could I have like six more of these? And he points to his drink. No, Pete, you really need to talk. Pete replies, well, okay, I think that our friend Rosie might be falling in love with Tad Hamilton. 
Yeah, I didn't have to be a bartender to see that one coming. Right, but the problem with that is that I'm in love with Rosie. You know, I always thought that maybe you were. So how much do you love her? Is it love? Is it big love or is it great love? What do you mean? Well, love you get over in two months. Big love, two years. Great love. Great love changes your life. If we understand God's lavish love for us as his children, it will change our lives. It will change to our lives as far as who we, who, how we understand ourselves and our identity. And it will also change our lives in that it should lead and must lead to a great love for other people. In fact, John tells us that we know we are God's children if we love others. Everyone who loves has been born of God, he wrote, and knows God. No one, who has ever seen, no one has ever seen God, John wrote. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, what's that mean? If we love each other, God loves in us and his love is made complete in us. Is, it, is God's love conditional? Of course not. That would fly in the face of everything else that John has written. It's pointing to this. As we love others... As we obey his commands to love others, as we live, as, excuse me, as we love in and through the power of his love for us, our experience of God becomes more tangible, becomes more real, becomes more complete. I mean, how do we know what it is to experience the love of another human being? It's in relationship with him or her. We figure out who they are. We figure out what pleases them. We figure out their heart. And if we love him or her, we try to do what will bring them joy. God is love. And if we want to grow in relationship with him, if we want to see his love made complete in us, not that we can earn it, not that it, we can increase it, but that we can grow in our experience of God's love. If we want to see his love made complete in us, then we must love others as he has loved us through Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Saul Bellow once wrote, a man is only as good as what he loves. You know, average people love things. Immature people love themselves. Good people love others. But great people love God and through the power of God's love for them, Love others. John writes about what this love looks like in chapter 3. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for others. Dear children, let us not love with words of tongue, but with actions and in truth. In his book, God's Perfection, Rabbi Pesach Crone uh, writes of a powerful story of love shown toward other people. He writes, Chush is a school that caters to learning disabled children in Brooklyn, New York. At a Chush fundraising dinner, the father of a Chush child delivered an unforgettable speech. After exploring the school and its dedicated staff, he said, Where is the perfection in my son Shia? Everything God does, does is done with perfection. 
But my child cannot understand things as other children do. My child cannot remember facts and figures as other children do. Where is God's perfection? The audience was shocked by the question. I believe, the father answered, that when God brings a child like this into the world, the perfection that he seeks is in the way that people react to this child. He then told the story. One afternoon, he and Shia walked past a park where some boys Shia knew were playing baseball. Shia asked, do you think they will let me play? Shia's father knew that most boys would not want him on their team, but he understood that if his son were chosen to play, it would give him a sense of, of, of belonging. So Shia's father approached one of the boys in the field and asked if Shia could play. The boy looked around for guidance from his teammates, and getting none, he said, well, we're, we're losing by six runs. It's in the eighth inning. I guess he can be on our team, and we'll try to put him up to bat in the ninth inning. Shia was told to put on a glove and go out to play center field. In the bottom of the eighth inning, Shia's team scored a few runs, but was still behind by three. In the bottom of the ninth inning, Shia's team scored again. With two outs and the bases loaded, Shia was up to bat, and everybody knew it was all but impossible because Shia didn't even know how to hold the bat, let alone hit it with it. But as he stepped up to the plate, the pitcher stepped in a few steps towards Shai and lobbed the ball in softly. The first pitch came in and Shai swung clumsily and missed badly. But one of his teammates came up to Shai and together they held the bat and, and faced the pitcher. The pitcher again took a couple more steps towards Shai and lobbed the ball softly. As the pitch came in, Shai and his teammates swung the bat and together they hit a a slow ground ball to the pitcher. The pitcher picked up the soft grounder and easily could have thrown the ball to the first baseman, but instead he threw the ball on a high arc to right field. Everybody started yelling, Sire, run to first base, run. He scampered down the line, and by the time he reached first base, the right fielder had the ball. He could have thrown to the second baseman easily, but instead he threw the ball high and far over the third baseman's head. Everybody yelled, run to second, Sire, run to second. And he ran towards second base as the runners ahead of him circled the bases toward home. As Shia reached second base, the opposing shortstop ran to him, turned him in the direction of third and said, run to third. As he rounded third, the boys from both teams ran behind him, screaming, Shia, run home. He ran home and all 18 boys lifted him on their shoulders and made him the hero as he had just hit a grand slam and won the game for his team. That day, the father said softly, those 18 boys reached their level of God's perfection. God's love is made perfect. It's made complete in us as we love others through the love that God has given us first in Christ Jesus. God is love. And God's greatest gift, God's greatest expression of love is the fact that He came to earth as a baby boy he grew into a man who was sinless and perfect, perfect in every way, and he died on a cross, a death he did not deserve for us, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could know life, and so that we could experience his gift of perfect love. The Father's love showered and lavished upon his children. And that love changes everything. It changes our identity. We're children of God. And it love us to lead to a change in our relationship with others. We love others 
in His power because He has first and so powerfully loved us. And so this Christmas Day, take and receive the gift of God's love for you. Let it shape you. Let it move you. Let it lead you to love others as He has first loved us. And so in everything, at every time, we rely and we know, we rely and trust in God's love for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. The love that is displayed in the nativity scene of Christ. Your willingness to identify with us. To experience hurt and pain and rejection. To experience death. A death you did not deserve. We thank you for your love that is demonstrated to us on the cross when you die for our sins. And we thank you for the love that is demonstrated to us when you rose from the dead so that we too can rise again and know life eternal. Lord, may we be people who are defined not by our intellect, our accomplishments, our relationships, our family, but may we be relied, Lord. May we be defined, Lord, by your love for us that we are called children of God. And so this Christmas as well, may we be people who then turn and demonstrate that love to others, that your love would be made complete in us, that we would grow in our experience and understanding of your love. Thank you, Lord, for this day. And we offer ourselves to you in Christ's powerful and precious name. The Word become flesh. Amen. Would you stand as we respond?